Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we are going to be giving you one of 50 Mama interviews. These interviews have been conducted by Drama Victoria over the last two years to celebrate their 50th birthday. These 50 interviews are 50 conversations with 50 legends of the Victoria drama teaching game. So sit back, relax and enjoy a slightly longer than usual version of The Aside. Please note that the audio quality varies depending on where the interview was recorded. So welcome to interview 25 of our Mama project and I have the delightful Joe Raphael here with me. Uh, thank you Joe for coming. Thank you Alex. <laughs> um, we might start with how, when and why you became involved in drama education. I think um, this story might go back to when I was a little girl. When I was um, very small, my big sister went to dancing classes <laughs> and my mother would uh, take me in the car when she'd take my sister off to dancing. And uh, I was two years old at the time and I would cry when she tried to get me to come home again. So the da dancing school teacher said, well, just, for goodness sakes, just leave her here. And so I got to start dancing class at age of two. And it was a dancing school that had a concert and in this concert, um, in my first year, I realised the joy of performance. <laughs> and I was on stage dressed as an elf with all the other little elves, dancing away, and um, the audience clapped at the end, as they do, and all the other little elves ran off, and I just kept dancing, and people just kept <laughs> clapping and laughing, and I just kept dancing. And uh, in the end, my mother had to be brought up, and she had to, you know, drag me off the stage from the wings. And... Uh, <laughs> And I just I think it was just the joy of performing and realising that you could do something that people would enjoy. Um, so that was the start. It was a dancing school that had a, a concert that was a pantomime, so it had acting in it. And pretty soon I realised I was not a good dancer, <laughs> but I wasn't a bad actor. And so I started to get a lot of joy from that. Um, there wasn't much drama at school, in primary school, when I was a kid. And so any, it was all extracurricular? Ex well, not even extracurricular in my poor little... Catholic primary school. Uh, so there were a couple of times when a specialist was brought in to do some workshops and then it was all over. Mm -hmm. um, any concert would have been singing, really, not even dancing at school. Uh, secondary school was a little bit different. We had a couple of drama classes in year seven and eight. Uh, and then there was the school productions, which I enjoyed, uh, but nothing in the curriculum. And when we were in year 11, there were quite a few of us that loved our drama and we actually got together and sent a, a delegation was sent off to speak to the principal about the fact that there was no drama for us. And to her credit, she said, well, you know, we can't run a drama class, there's no space for it in the curriculum, but if you can guarantee a large group will come after school, then we'll pay for a teacher and you can stay after school and do drama. And so we agreed to this. And we had this drama class that met after school once a week for a couple of years. And they employed... How many students? Oh, there were about t at least 12 of us, regular. And they employed a, a teacher who was not a teacher but an actor. And she was really cool. She did great works with us. We did some performances. We entered into some festivals and competitions. And out of that group, there were five of us that went off to Rusden. 
and three of us got into the double drama and, um, and then that rust and experience just opened up my eyes to the p potential and possibilities. Um, and so what made you choose Ruston? Well, good question. Actually, I, back in my day, you know, I, I came from a family where no one had ever been to university, so um, my parents were a bit unsure about me going off to tertiary education, and they certainly wanted to think that there was a job at the end of it. So um, nursing and, and teaching were the kind of things that you were pushed towards. But So not acting? No, not acting. Um, <laughs> although I had, as a child, um, done some little... Um, I'd, I'd had some TV commercial um, roles. Uh, I did a, acting classes at a place called Crawford Productions in Abbotsford. And uh, that, that was uh, at a time when video was just new and they'd video, video us and play it back and it was very exciting. Um, but there was never, I was never going to crack it as an actor, I don't think. <laughs> Although it was always lovely to perform. Um, and after VCE actually, um, it turns out I was quite academic and uh, for a little moment there, I thought I was going to be a speech therapist. But then when I realised I got into double drama at Rusden, I thought, I really have to do that. And um, off I went to Rusden. Yeah, I'd, I'd seen some shows there and I, I knew it was a pretty cool place to go. And I thought, you know, people come out of Rusden and do all sorts of things. And what year are we talking? Um, early 80s. 1980s. When you started? I started at Rusden. And 84 graduated? Uh, end of 83 I finished. So 84 was my first year of teaching. Great. And so between 84 and 2016, what are the changes yeah. that you've, you've witnessed in drama education? Oh, okay. Well, well lots of things. Um, it, well, in some ways, lots of change and in some ways, not enough. Um, obviously, now we have um, VCE, Drama and Theatre Studies. And, uh, and I remember the times when, when we were talking about the possibility of that. Uh, when I started teaching, you couldn't do drama... Uh, beyond year 11, usually at secondary school. Uh, but then the VCE came in and there were discussions about drama and theatre in that. Uh, I think there was a course called Drama TOP, a tertiary orientation program. So when they started, I think it was VCAB, um, Board of Studies, started to uh, bring people together to talk about the possibilities of the drama curriculum in senior secondary. All these people just came out of the woodwork, and it was really exciting to see, you know, and talk to the people who've been teaching drama and theatre. And do you remember some of those people? Oh, I do. Friends? I remember Rod Parnell was the person who brought us all together, and there are a whole lot of people I, I can't think of names at the minute, but um, <laughs> who are still active and around. And uh, there was lots of discussion and argument. People were passionate, and it became clear that we needed to have two courses: drama and theatre studies. And so, yeah, I, was, I really enjoyed being part of the process of, of designing those courses right, right back then. And, and something that's stayed true to, I mean, that change mm. has, uh, has lasted the test and of time. I, and, yeah, we're, those courses are still evolving. And that we yeah. are one of the only uh, places in the world that we're aware of where drama and theatre studies are offered at, 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 a, at the highest at level the, of secondary yeah. education. Yeah, it's, they're really good, really good courses. So that was the late, the late 80s uh, when those courses were being um, developed. Mm. Yeah. What are some of the highs and lows that you, you've witnessed oh, okay. over those years? Oh, you that, know, that would definitely be a high, wouldn't it? Uh, that, that was a high, but I, I don't know if it's one of the greatest highs. I think there are highs on a daily basis, really, teaching yeah. drama. Uh, I think highs are classes that go really well. 
Um, any performance outcome tends to be a high, also probably some of the greatest lows. Um, I think, uh, if I think back to my early years of teaching, um, getting 180 students on the stage um, in year-level productions. Um, that a low or a high? That was a, a low <laughs> and then a very big high. Uh, and then I, I remember working with a Year 9 elective drama group and they were a raggle-taggle bunch of kids, all girls in this girls' school. And uh, we developed a theatre piece that they, they devised, uh, working with famous Australian women. So they had to do historical research and work in small groups to create these pieces for this performance. And it was just fantastic what they came up with, but it led to one of the greatest lows because um, they were very excited about performing and it had been in the school calendar for a long time, but the Year 9 coordinator decided that she couldn't attend. <laughs> and it was just, uh, as a uh, you know, first-year teacher, I was just devastated to think that she wasn't going to be there to witness this fantastic work that was being done by girls in her year level. And I felt sorry for them as well because they'd worked so hard and they wanted to be recognised. You know, some of these girls were, you know, not achieving as well in other aspects of the curriculum, so this was their chance to really shine. But she didn't come, and then I realised, you know, sometimes perhaps drama just isn't the priority of other people. Yeah. And uh, one good thing happened out of that, though, was that the history coordinator came along and afterwards he said, what are you teaching, drama or history? And I said, well... It's drama, but drama has to be about something. He goes, oh, gosh, I wish, I wish my students could learn as much about history in my classes as they've learned about history in your drama class. And that was one of the times when I realised that drama is just such an incredibly powerful pedagogy and that it really needs to be used much more to teach across the curriculum. Mm. Did the um, history teacher pass that on to the Year 9 coordinator? Oh, I, I assume so. I can't remember exactly. <laughs> but uh, and I re remember he was incredibly impressed and, and it was great that the students got his feedback on that as well. So that's a pretty specific high memorable experience slash low. Yeah. What, what, what are some of the other most memorable experiences? Oh, that... gosh, so many. So... <laughs> now, I think uh, when you work in the area of drama and theatre, it's such an aesthetic, affective um, experience that you tend to remember it for a long time. Um, and so the kids. Yeah, that's what's so good about it. Isn't it? <laughs> um, look, uh, after teaching in secondary school for a while, I travelled overseas and I came back and I wanted a different kind of challenge. So I went to back to Ruston and spoke to Bob Holden, who taught me there. And I said, well, what else can I do, Bob? And he said, well, you loved that unit we did, uh, drama and special education, where we went to Urumbira and worked with kids with... Um, disability, he said, why don't you contact Arts Access and see what kind of work you could do in, in, you know, in the kind of gamut of things that they offer. So I went to Arts Access and they um, eventually offered me a position as artist in residence at Kew Cottages. And Kew Cottages then was a huge, you know, had over 400 people with disabilities living there. And my job was to go in once a week and run a drama program with a group of about 12 of them. Anyway, I went along and I thought, met them they said come to the disco and I went to the disco and I thought oh, I don't know what I'm going to do here so I planned my you know perfect class that was fail proof went along for the first workshop and it was a disaster <laughs> um, so then I thought well I, I'll have to do something completely different so the next week I came back with a an idea for a process drama in the image of Dorothy Hethcote's work and it was fantastic and um, it was, you know, it just grew each week, developed something new. 
Um, and each week I'd talk to the support staff and each week they'd say, oh, we don't think that's going to work. And each week they'd say, oh, we're really sorry, we underestimated the power of that, that was really fantastic. And so these, these people, who, through doing drama, um, bonded as a group, spoke and, um, you know, created role, performed role, um, created drama, came up with ideas and did all sorts of things that they weren't, you know, normally um, doing in, in their day-to-day -day work at Kick Cottages. And, and what year are we talking about? We're talking about um, late 80s. At that time I was also teaching at Northern Metropolitan College of Tape in Preston uh, in a certificate in performing arts and I had these wonderful students who were very committed to theatre and so it struck me that we didn't need to be doing this program in Kew Cottages and they were very happy to bus the clients from Kew out to Preston to work with my, my students there and you know, that work was just phenomenal and highly memorable. And uh, that I still work in, in that area today. Yeah, it sustained your practice. Yes. Right? So I, now I have a theatre company, Fusion Theatre, that's been going for 20 years next year. And it's... Um, well done. Has two, I know, <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Well sustained over that time. But it has two ensembles involving adults with intellectual disabilities. And we call it inclusive theatre. So often Deakin University students will come and work with me and, and the directors in that company and, and help create... Um, device theatre, original mm. theatre for public performance. It's mm. just beautiful to see, um, you know, people like yourself and Bruce Gladwin yeah. from back to back, you know, producing such amazing work. Mm. Um, that's that's awesome. Uh, so, the mentors and collaborators along the way. Mm, yeah, so so many. Um, obviously, Bob Holden back in the Rusden days. Um, because he steered that course. He did, of... yeah, and he was a very gentle man. And, you know, he he um, was a a quiet kind of inspiration for me. Um, and he he had connections with Dorothy Hethcote. He'd studied with Dorothy, and so he introduced me to that work. Uh, I worked with lots of drama teachers um, over the years and collaborated, and that's always been fantastic. Too many to even mention names. Uh, <laughs> In my work at Deakin University, uh, I've had colleagues come in to work with me, Meg Upton with secondary, Helen Sandico in primary drama, and Helen Zatchest in early childhood. Um, in my Masters of Education, uh, I was supervised by Kate Donnellan, who was a great inspiration, and in my PhD by John O'Toole. And, um, uh, various others along the way, uh, I um, did a small research project with Peter O'Connor, and uh, he, he came to the University of Melbourne and we were working actually on a project to do with back-to-back, -back, so long train trips to Geelong. And I was <laughs> telling him that I had um, won a teaching award and I had this money to spend on my own professional development. Can and we talk about that? What yeah. was the teaching award? Well, it was a, an award, a, a university-based award for excellence in teaching. Um, I don't think it's hard well for a drama teacher to get an award for <laughs> teaching because I think students really love um, drama approaches to learning. Uh, but anyway, I got this money and I was able to organise a, a trip to the UK and I wanted to go to Warwick University and meet Jonathan Neelands and Joe Winston. And I was telling Peter O'Connor about it and he said, well, you must, you must meet Dorothy. And I said, Dorothy Hethcote's not going to want to talk to me. And uh, he said, no, no, she's quite approachable. He said, but she doesn't do email, you'll have to write her a letter. So I 
thought nothing to lose and I wrote a letter to Dorothy Hetzkett explaining who I was and that I was coming to the UK and that I'd love the opportunity to meet with her, not expecting anything of it, but I knew she wouldn't have time to write back so I gave her my address where I was staying in Oxford with a friend and I gave her his phone number. Anyway, um, I got to Oxford and the next morning the phone rang, my friend Alistair answered it and he said, oh, Jo, it's Dorothy Hethcote on the phone for you. I was so nervous and so excited I could barely speak. Anyway, she said, oh, oh, you're in Oxford and I'm in the up north. She said, oh, but I'm coming down to Birmingham on Friday to work with a friend on the weekend. So if we meet at Birmingham New Street Station at 7.30 in the morning, <laughs> my friend will take us back to her house and we can have a good chat there. And so that's what I did and I was so nervous that I wouldn't get there in time and I'd miss my chance that I stayed over in this very dodgy hotel in Birmingham near the station. Um, so dodgy, it didn't even have a window, so I thought I'm just going to not wake up in the morning. So I set two alarms and then at 7.30, as she said in the concourse, she sort of bursted out. She was coming down from the north by train. And um, so I met her and um, her friend was there and off we went and we sat for about three or four hours just chatting at a friend's place and that was just wonderful. So Did you have a chance to record that? Oh, you know what, I had my iPod there and I, and I was you know, fiddling with the buttons and I, I, I thought it was broken I recorded a few minutes and that was all I managed to get. Um, but I took copious notes and I have a very, you know, strong um, memory of that whole um, Conversation. We have to produce that as a dramatic resource. Well, I did write about it. It's in one of the last. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember the, reading that. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, she she talked a lot and she listened a lot and um, she was very encouraging and she just said, you know, just keep doing what you're doing and and she actually um, you know wrote me a few letters. So these are some of the letters that the Dorothy Hepkett sent me. Incredibly generous woman. I thought she'd be way too busy to you know take any interest in her lowly teacher from <laughs> Melbourne, Australia, but she was very keen to uh, share her knowledge and, uh, and uh, I took, you'd be pleased to know Ellie, I took her a copy of Mask magazine. She says, Dear Jo, it was so nice meeting you at Claire's on Friday. You took so much trouble to trail over and stay overnight and I much appreciate it. Thanks for Mask, which I'll read when I can. <laughs> She's, She's got just, beautiful handwriting. Yeah, yeah, really beautiful <laughs> handwriting and uh, yeah, a be beautiful letter writer. So she was a, a great inspiration to me and continues to be. And what about um, uh, other great professional learning experiences that you've experienced? Oh, so many. I, I, I uh, have been to just about every Drama Vic conference since I joined Drama Vic as a young teacher. I've been to all the drama. and run a number of the workshops yeah. at those drama yeah. and actually even directed conferences That's from time right. to time, um, but also drama Australia conferences all around Australia and IDEA, the International Drama and Theatre and Education Association congresses. I went to the first one in Brisbane, which was a big highlight. 1995. Yes, and that that was just amazing. There, I think 1,200 delegates there. Uh, I went to Kenya, which was really interesting. Um, Prue was just on Yeah, it was just such an amazing conference and so, so different and uh, so disorganised. It was, it was, there was, well, I, actually the very sad, this was probably one of my lows, was that I was to present a workshop there in this grass hut um, at this place a little bit away from the other conference venue where they'd set up these, these uh, workshop huts and they bust us out as presenters. I'd been preparing for this for months and uh, there I was, standing in my grass hut with all my materials around, ready to start my workshop. 
no delegates. Over in yonder at another grass hut was this poor guy from Bangladesh who was there to present his workshop, no delegates. Helen Sandico was there. She'd found a group of students who were performing, Kenyan students, and she'd rallied them together and she started to just give them her workshops. She was determined not to go home without presenting. So I ran over and said, Helen, can I have half your, your kids? And she said, okay. So half of them came over and I started to run a workshop with them. And then somebody called them to say it was their turn to perform, so they all ran away again. So I ended up just having a conversation with this guy from Bangladesh about our workshops. Oh. And, um, and didn't get to present it. Yeah, no, it was great, very sad. But um, I mean, I learned so much, so it didn't matter. But your favourite professional learning experiences were, were the idea uh, at oh, Brisbane? The, uh, idea Brisbane, I went to Kenya, I went to Hong Kong, that was great because I took actors from Fusion Theatre to present a workshop there. So there, was, um, there were five actors and um, two directors and two Deakin students who came as um, support and that was just phenomenal. And I went to Paris as well and all of those were great. But I think my great, greatest professional learning has been not just those educate drama education conferences but other like you know theatre work that I've done so I lived in Japan for a couple of years and I worked and when I was there I um, studied no theatre Japanese no theatre um, and uh, that was just I, I think I attended your workshop at Drum Vic conference the year after you returned that would be that could be right that's going back it's going yeah, back a while and so, you know, it was just the most amazing and surreal experience to perform Japanese no theatre uh, in a, on a real no stage. And uh, uh, that was 20 years ago, maybe even a bit longer than that now. Um, and I actually went back this January and met my no teacher again. There she is. She's in her 90s yeah. now. Sumi Sensei. And she is um, still going and still lives in, in this house that has its own no stage where she still wow. performs. No, she doesn't teach anymore. Um, she's quite a genki, as they say in Japan, healthy and energetic woman in her 90s. Uh, but I also studied Buto when I was in Japan with Kazuo Ono, which was just the most incredible um, experience. There he is. He was a very old man. He was in his 90s then, still wow. teaching Buto. And I lived there for a couple of years and left just before the birth of my first child. So um, that was the last, the last night, um, me and Kazuo and all. And he knew that I was having a baby, so he actually signed the back of one of these, these uh, photos. He said, for your baby. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was very excited about that. The other students were most envious that he'd given me photos out of his album. But that was such a rich and such a different learning experience. And I, I didn't really know at the time how I was going to translate that, that back into my teaching in Australia. But I've obviously teaching about people's Asia and Asian culture is an important part of our curriculum. Mm. So, yes. And you've always had a fascination for Asian theatre styles. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's somehow informed the work that you do with Fusion? As it has informed other people like Brecht and Grotowski yes. and, and uh, Beckett and so on. Cool. Um, what do you think of the secrets to uh, the longevity um, of your career? Uh, well, I think mixing it up, working with different people, finding different people to collaborate with, um, staying active in theatre, so my work with the theatre company, um, directing, I've even done some performing in recent years, 
um, doing lots of professional development classes, staying engaged with professional associations, um, and just seeing theatre, just, if you just keep taking in, you restore your energy, you're, you'll get new ideas and then you can kind of, you know, continue to teach. That's a great pearl of wisdom to mm. pass on to the next generation. Are there any other uh, uh, well, you know, pieces I've, of advice I've that you... I always say to my students to keep the artist within them. And because teaching is sometimes overflow from that great passion that you have for your art form. Uh, so, you know, that's... And keep mixing it up. Keep, keep yourself alive. Keep connected to your professional associations and your colleagues. Find new colleagues to work with. Recently, I've been working with science colleagues. And, you know, that's... They're, they're learning something wonderful about drama and I'm learning new ways to apply drama to learning about senior science con mm. and contentious issues in science. So, I mean, that's a really interesting collaboration. There's so much that you can do. Um, so don't get stale. Just keep keep fresh by reinventing. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and what about um, your association with other associations, BCAA, Drama yeah. Victoria, Drama oh, Australia? Okay. Yeah, that's always really important. I've, um, I've, part of my practice, probably going back to that history and drama experience, has been to work with cultural institutions, so Immigration Museum, um, yeah, Old, Old Melbourne Jail, Crime and Justice. Is, Can we talk about Footprints Prince for was, a um, was one of the, the big um, different aspects of our 2009 Drama Australia conference that Drama Victoria hosted. And it had, I think we had uh, seven or eight different cultural institutions involved and teachers working with students in those cultural institutions um, to engage in learning about them through drama. And all the delegates went by on foot or by tram to these cultural institutions to experience those um, those projects. And there's some great practitioners involved in, in, in creating those yeah. projects. Yeah, we had um, it, you know diff great people working in there with with the people from the cultural institution with students. So it was a very authentic kind of practice and it was wonderful to see that diversity. And that we've continued some of those connections since then. Um, so, so cultural institutions. I've been. Um, I was on the Drama Victoria committee for about president, over ten years in president. roles of um, president, vice president, um, DALO, conference director, um, and a few other things. Uh, I've been on the Drama Australia board for nearly ten years in roles of. Well, I was DALO for Drama Victoria, but then I came on as director of projects and then Director of International Liaison, which is my current role. Um, uh, idea, obviously, um, Arts Access um, uh, and a few other professional and associations. BCAA? Yeah, BCAA have been um, involved in um, consulting on course development um, as an assessor for BCE, uh, drama in particular, mm -hmm. which is always a great professional development too. It's been a joy having you, Joe. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Ali. Yeah. I feel like there's just so much to say. I know. And we only a have a very time. short amount of yeah, time. Yeah, but it's really nice to be able to chat about it. It's Thank really you. good to be able to reflect back on all those years. <laughs> Hope there's lots more too. <laughs>
Well, that's all from us at The Aside. There are 49 other Mama interviews you might like to listen to, so please do feel free to go and find those and have a listen. Thank you to all the people involved in conducting the Mama interviews. The list is extensive. Happy 50th birthday to Drama Victoria, and thank you to the 50 legends for giving us their time. If you would like to ask the aside a question, or you have a suggestion for a future episode, please do not hesitate to contact us at asidepodcast at outlook.com. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here. Thank you to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support. And of course, thank you for listening. Thank you.